0: What is up, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Return of the Roar podcast. This time, it's like what we I always do this—the return of the return of the return. This time, like yes, we are back. Uh, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna take this one. I'm gonna eat this. Uh, I was in Vegas since Thursday. I was in a. It was a great music festival day in Vegas. It was a, It was a blast. Uh, very very poor timing. I, I really didn't think I bought these tickets like six months ago, and I didn't think it would be. Right in the thick of the uh, the NBA season, but you know, whatever it is, what it is. I'm now like LeBron James, uh, heading into the bubble. Like I'm I'm fully ready for the rest of the season, and I'm ready to tear it up. Like it's a wrap. Uh, and I haven't even introduced my co-host, who's here every week. He's uh, he's getting his his resume ready. He's been checking LinkedIn every single day for local head coaching jobs. Frankie Cardaselli. I think the Natoma. Been a while. Know,
1: Thomas Pee-wee, Peewee district might be hiring head coaches. So I uh, might be heading up a, a job there, but uh, no, I'm, I'm doing good. Doing good. First of all, how was Vegas? Because my sister also was at the same Filthy. festival. Filthy is the best way to dirty. describe Vegas. Dirty. Just dirty. And it's not even yeah. summer either. Because the summer, real quick side note before I want to get into how your trip was. I used to think going to the pools in Vegas was a fun thing. Until I realized, there's probably every single like disease, bacteria, bodily fluid in the water, and I don't think I'll ever be going to Vegas for summer festivities
0: ever again. So, well, that's what chlorine's for, you know. It's it's. I don't trust chlorine that much, but that's a different discussion. I mean, it's just like you know, it's going to sun splash, and I'm sure it's it's no, it's it's no better, no better, no worse
1: sunsplash was kid vegas by the way the- <laughs> it I mean, it's it's
0: one and the same they're if both
1: they're, they're equally filthy the sacramento area it's kid vegas but no how was the festival because i haven't even talked to my sister yet
0: uh it was it was good um i'm not gonna i was i mean we'll get it i'm gonna have to talk about it because on friday the day of the okc i was the first day i was obliterated i can't lie i was i had a great time um the music was awesome kendrick lamar opened the first day he was awesome uh, Travis Scott was supposed to be on Saturday, which, you know, obviously people know of the, uh, the World catastrophe. I don't even know. Tragedy. Yeah. Tragedy, like, really? Yeah. I, I, yeah. I really, it's just, it's th- yeah, that whole, and it was very much present. That was honestly, that was the theme of the week, um, for, for the festival was definitely like there was, I, I can, I literally couldn't count how many times I saw a performance and the artist on stage was like, Y'all good? Like, do we need to turn the lights on? Like, is everybody good? Hey, like, make sure I know everybody's good and like full stops the show. And it's like, every, it was very. That's cool was, though. Uh, it was eerie, but that's it was, cool that they're it was safe. You know? They're being
1: conscious right. of it though. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering, as a, as a crowd, do you feel like people are being conscious of, of everything that's been going on and, and trying to be extra careful? Or
0: I think. I would say yes. I would. Um, I would definitely say like it was not a rager by any means. Like there's, I mean, if Travis would have been there, like that Saturday show would have been insane, and it would have been, it would have been a a, a rate. If for anyone who hasn't who doesn't know what a Travis Scott show is is like, you know, typically it's it's usually very raucous, and like it is like you are in the center of Dimash of the bread. crowd on. The, the whole crowd is like the center of the crowd for a Travis Scott show. Like even if, normally, like if you're on like for pretty much main, a, a lot of the shows we stayed on the outskirts relatively, you know, you can kind of be part of the crowd, but also if you need to dip or, you know, we're standing for eight hours, my back is killing me. My legs are killing me. I need room to stretch. Um, but for a Travis Scott show, like you can be, you can be getting popcorn and you're still going to be getting shoulders and, and being in a mosh pit. It's just, it's, it's a crazy atmosphere. Not, you know, usually it's, it's not tragic like it was, but um you know, there's, there's 100% the possibility for it to happen every single time. Well, that's what uh,
1: those things are scary. Yeah. And uh, yeah. I watched, I watched a documentary because, the Travis Scott tragedy brought up a lot of people looking back at Woodstock '99. Sure. Yeah, yeah, there's a documentary about it. I think it, Bill Simmons uh, made it. Or yeah, on it. Yeah, I watched it last night, and it's crazy. And the way they described it, that crowd all moving at once. The uh, the guy that was talking said it was like your 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 feet weren't on the ground. You're just a part of one organism that's moving yeah. on its own. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what happened with the Travis Scott tragedy. Yeah. And that that's scary. It that scared the yeah. out. me. it's really I,
0: scary. And like, not, yeah, you can see when they show like the front of the crowd. Like, there's people who your hands go up and you can't put them back down because there's people get shoulder to shoulder. Like you jump and you don't hit the ground again because the ground that you left is no longer available. It's uh it's like it was like it was a human a ocean human
1: ocean of people in that in that Woodstock footage. And I know mm-hmm. that. Um, Vegas had a lot of people too, so I was, you know, my sister's there, and you're there, two two uh, people close. <laughs> yeah, you got close to me. there. Yeah, you know, I, I I had some some uh you know some some friends, some friends out there, so there. Was, I was hoping everyone was safe, and it sounds like it was a good time. And it was definitely a good um, time. It was post Malone, right? Instead of Travis Scott. Yeah, I didn't
0: stay for that. <laughs> there was there was, there was a mass exodus. I'll tell you that. Uh, who was it? Um, someone was at nine o'clock that day, and then pretty much after that, everybody everybody left. It was either. Man, I really can't remember. It was a wild weekend. There was a bunch of bunch of artists. I'm trying to think if it was... It might have been SZA. It was either people, SZA or Doja people, Cat was People left, on and then I feel like those everybody were,
1: left. I feel like they left after or
0: before? After, because... I was going to say. Yeah, it was all leading up to Post. Post was like the headliner. So there's three different stages. Normally, they diversify all the artists throughout the stages. Then Post was on the main stage. So everybody is on the main stage, but everybody left (laughs) so i don't know how that post show looked anyway glad you're okay yes i'm I'm, we're okay i made it i drove to vegas that was a whole adventure in itself a move yeah that was that was not the right move everybody if you plan on going to vegas buy your tickets months in advance it's not worth the what it was like a nine hour drive uh wasn't great but i made it back and now i'm fully excited even uh i should mention with that yesterday i haven't seen Either of the past. I've not watched, I should say, I've not watched the last two Kings games. Uh, the OKC game happened on Friday, first day of the show. Like I said, I, was, <laughs> I had a good time. And uh, this, I'll, I'll tell a little story about, about uh, how I came across the OKC score that day. So just how that day went for me. And you can fill in the blanks. So obviously, I knew we were playing OKC. If you listen to uh, me and Frankie's last podcast, you heard how crucial we thought these next four, this road trip was, these next four games, and uh, just how important it was to win at least three, um, but realistically, they should have won four. And uh, yeah, I learned about the score at halftime. I was like, we're good, we're up 12 or whatever, uh, chilling, like I said, had a good time. I was like, we're good, don't have anything to worry about. And then about an hour and a half later, as Kendrick's on, i uh, having a great time, and, uh, and I hear something from from our mutual friend, Trent Thompson. Shout out, Trent. Shout um, out, Trent. Um, you city. YC. YC's finest. Yf- YC. YC's finest baller, Trent Thompson. 530. Um, <laughs> dirty 530. Uh, anyways, Trent tells me, yo, man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they lost. <laughs> it shows me the score i immediately just i it was i've never felt so i feel like i might have like blacked out that day and then like just the most sober i've never been more sober in my life than when he said that we lost to okc it, it's uh, and, uh yeah and i later found out how i still have not watched the highlights of how exactly you don't it need happened, to but uh, need I, to. I just decided i i was here to have a good time I, I don't need that. It might, I did it, not need that kind of negativity in my life at that point in time. It might retroactively ruin your
1: trip if you look at that footage because, <laughs> and again, uh, just to kind of give it to my perspective, I was having a nice Friday night myself. Um, game was early, so I, the game was going to end. I was going to go and have some have some fun too with some friends and whatnot. And um, King's up 18, things looking good as you know uh if you listen to this podcast i write for khdk i do my recaps i like to to kind of go along as the game goes and the tone of my article so far was kings are going to pick up a w in and the three game losing streak is going to end uh they still have a chance to go three and one on the road trip uh then the fourth quarter happens kings get outscored 28 17 and the best way i can describe it to you is and i i uh I actually held the spaces the other night, my first Twitter spaces, just after the game because I was devastated, and you were at the concert. That's amazing. And uh, I held the spaces and had some nice interactions. Did it go well? Yeah. It went well. I had some nice interactions. Be nice to
0: Frankie, everybody, please.
1: People are nice, but I I said that the best way I could describe it was it seemed like the Kings were playing down seven when they were really up by one or two with over four minutes left. They were just frantic and out of sorts. And then it comes down to the last play of the game, which i've heard, D- heard. De- Dear De'Aaron Fox is is wearing it right now and and uh he kings had a chance when that game and it comes down to a De'Aaron got picked by Lou Dort Lou Dort at a huge game. I'm a big Lou Dort guy. I don't know how you feel about I'm Lou Dort. Too, no, I I, I would <laughs> yes, I love Lou Dort. Big Lou Dort guy. Big but no, big Lou Dort guy. Big Lou Dort guy. But just to kind of we don't have to get too deep in the OKC game. It was awful. It was terrible. Kings collapsed. Um failed execution down the stretch rushed playmaking De'Aaron obviously did not have it that night mm-hmm. and uh you you honestly I envy you for not having to sit and watch that entire game because I felt sick to my stomach
0: after I was gonna say I couldn't, even, say, can, I couldn't even finish get my emotional kiki's. for a second like yeah, I, yeah because after that game like I mean when I learned this I, like I said I still haven't seen that I, it's just pain I don't I don't want to sign up for that kind of pain it <laughs> that, has a loss hit that hard like what like what was the last loss that I remember? Probably like Brooklyn, Brooklyn or the the, the Hornets loss that we that we like to talk about. Those two so, losses are the two that really stick out. But from not even two. watching the game, like I will never forget the fact that the Kings just lost this game to OKC. And like I was thinking about it on, I had a lot of time on the car ride back. Is OKC like the worst worst team in the league? No, they're not worse than Detroit for sure. But something about it was just like. There's 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 just no reason to lose that game. I mean, obviously when you throw in the circumstances that were what the actual game ended up being, you know, them being up 12, being up in the fourth and just collapsing like there's just no excuse to lose to OKC if you're supposed to be a a legit team. And to me that was that was the biggest uh biggest source of disappointment was just this team was supposed to I mean, we've been saying it all year. They're they're different. This these aren't the same old. I mean, we haven't, but but it's been the narrative of like, don't these these aren't your the the kings of old. Like these guys are actually trying to be good, and the problem is you cannot be good and lose four. It's 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 the fact that it's the fourth straight as well. It's like you guys know that you need to turn it or there's no like it's not like you guys have one two and you're coasting. You know, you're you're just looking by this game. Like y'all need wins and you know, we'll we'll get into it. But as happened after they lost, like these are the type of losses that lose people jobs and like completely drastically shift where things are going. And it was really, really scary for a second. Like uh, there was moments after on Friday and, and waking up Saturday morning where I was like, man, like, and I think, again, we're going to talk about it later, but is this team even going to make the play-in, or is this just, am I also am I just overreacting? Like, yeah, toronto lost to, you know, whatever, Detroit two days yeah, ago, the Detroit. They got, I think it was pretty nice. Detroit came up clutch. Like, like, <laughs> in to how Cunningham. would I feel if I were a Raptor fan? I would probably feel the same exact way that I felt after the Kings lost to OKC. So, yeah. Are, are we, I mean, I think, you know, it, I think now we can feel like we are overreacting and everyone definitely overreacted, but um, we were also right to feel that way for a moment. No. Yeah. In a sick way. I felt like
1: it had to happen and I was a little afraid going into the OKC game that was going to happen. And then my fears just went away because the Kings were playing pretty well in the, in the early going and they had to control the game. Uh, I think I posted the, um, on NBA.com they have, the, it's like a graph of how long a team holds a lead, and it was all purple. And then there's a little sliver of blue where the OKC had the lead, and it was at the very, very end of the game, last four minutes of the game. um And that that that's what kills me the most. It's it's not like it was a back and forth battle, and the Kings lost hold of it late. They had control of the entire game. It was not a battle ever. And at the game, they just laid down, and they didn't even battle late. It was just OKC said, okay we're just going to take this game over and the Kings had no answer. So overreact. No, I, we've been through our fair share of losses. Uh, While it's on my mind, like we were talking about the worst loss or the losses that stick out. I just want to make a quick note. Do you remember the B elites a four point play against new Orleans where he made the four point play? The game was tied. And then JJ Reddick had a lay in with like 0.4. I don't know. That's one you should look up later. That was two years ago. (laughs) But I digress. Uh, it didn't quite feel as devastating as some of those bad losses, like the OKC or the uh, the Charlotte game from last year, um, the Nets game where Delo went off, or even that game I just mentioned where the Kings had had victory taken from them late. Um, even when De'Aaron Fox had that ball in his hands with 10 seconds left, I wanted to imagine something good was going to happen, but deep down, I, just, I don't know. I did, as soon as that score, as soon as OKC took that first lead, I just knew it was over. And... I'm not going to sit here and overreact and say that I thought the season's going to be, the season's over, uh, that the Kings aren't good. Basketball seasons are very long. Things change so quickly. The Kings could be four games out in March and rattle off a six game, four, six out of seven streak, and then we could be back in the, you never know what's going to happen. And there's so much season left, but like you said, Every win is important. The Kings yeah. aren't just a team that's going to walk into into forty-one wins. They need everyone they can get, and leading Oklahoma City by eighteen points—it's inexcusable, yeah. absolutely inexcusable. So, yeah, that's I. I kind of I felt sick for one night. I woke up on um, Saturday morning and I felt better. The weekend was nice. No, no Kings for the weekend. Mm-hmm. Actually, felt pretty nice, honestly. Mm-hmm. So, you did miss a game Friday,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but you at least had the weekend to not have to worry about it Saturday and Sunday. You know what I mean? Like at least yeah, it w- we all, we all had that.
0: <laughs> yes. It was very nice to just be like, you know what? It's over. I don't have to care. And you know what? Again, like, kind of like you said, I think this is, I, I was kind of expecting this to happen at some point. Um, I guess it's gl- good that they ripped the bandaid off now so that it's not going to hurt. <laughs> again. it's not going to hurt as much a second to fool me one time. You know, shame twice. on twice. I can't remember which one it is. J Cole well, ruined it for me because I'm like J Cole, and then also yeah, J Cole up... completely just. I mean, I know he's you know he's uh copying Isn't what George for Bush once, said, but fool me once,
1: shame on you. Fool me twice, for me one
0: time. Shame, shame on, on you. Shame on you. Fool me can't get fooled again. Fool me can't get fooled again. Um. Yeah. Anyways. Uh. Yeah. So I I definitely hear what you're saying on that. I think we know this Kings game at some point was going to disappoint us very severely this season. Uh, it's just expectations, man. Like I was really just thinking about it and expectations is the only reason why that game hurt so bad. Um, the, the, every game that we just mentioned on the worst lot, the, the new Orleans be elite four point, the Charlotte, the Brooklands, those were all game scripted, pain like those those hurt because we saw how the game played out and granted i didn't see how the okc game played out. it wasn't like those. the reason why that game hurt me a person who didn't watch it at all was just because like that's going into the game you're expecting like they need to take care of business especially and we haven't mentioned it even yet after just getting completely ransacked by the Spurs, who have no business ever scoring 136 points in a regulation basketball game. Like that is that is insane. Who I don't even know how the Spurs got that many. Like that's that takes three, four guys of scoring 20 points. And they just maybe DeJounte Murray is no, a 20 point scorer in a couple years at some point, but like they don't have anyone on that team who deserves to give anyone those kind of buckets. So for them like, to come out after that and perform or not perform, but have that result. It's just I, 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 just can't. I can't trust them the same way that I formerly trust. This is really a relationship. Like it's all it is. They just they broke our heart, and now we just can't. You know, we can't. We can't give them the same sort of trust that we well, once. Don't gave. you remember at the last home game where we were talking to
1: all of our fellow media members about if we're ready to buy in? And I just. Yep. I was so hesitant to say, I, I just, I, I can't, I can't yet. And uh, I'm still in the middle. I think the Kings, the middle to me still means playing. If we want to start that discussion right now, before we want to get into, mm-hmm. I guess what we liked about last night, but I guess right now, cause it kind of will lead it. It, it correlates to between Well, I don't know. Let me, let me, let let me, let me backtrack. Let me backtrack a little bit. Let me
0: start with Detroit. Mm-hmm. They had to win last night. Right as far as believing goes, no, they they if they lost last night, I would not believe. I I, I, yeah, I don't know if we'll again we'll get into Luke's stuff, but I think at that point, like I don't I don't know if Luke gets fired after that game, but this is a different podcast today. Like we we're we're heading into maybe the last week of Luke Walton's career if if they lose last night.
1: Detroit is awful, and let me start by saying that they're very bad. They might be the number one pick again next year. No, they will. They will. Uh, So. Let me just get that out of the way. I love what I saw last night. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Kings super played fun. well.
0: I'll take it. I, yeah. Even listening, it sounded amazing.
1: They should play well. They should play well. And we don't have to get too much into the X's and O's of it. Just here's the point is the Kings needed to take care of business like we wanted them to do against Oklahoma city against a team that is not a good team. They go into Detroit, Detroit's three and nine, and they beat the hell out of them as they should, as they should. Um, and if we're sitting here in alternate universe and the kings lose to detroit i don't believe now the only thing i will say is that doesn't mean i'm more i believe in this team more than i did at following okc i don't know if they if they lose on wednesday in minnesota does it even change anything does it change anything the fact that they won last night does it really mean as much cuz they beat detroit because if they lose tomorrow in minnesota even convincingly, if they lose and it's a hard-fought game, I can maybe live with it. But if they keep getting beat, either by getting blown out or these awful, just completely devastating collapses, I don't know what this team's going to do. Number one, yeah, Luke Walton's going to be out of a job. But Yeah,
0: I mean, in, in the words of the great Jay-Z, uh, I think on, on Kanye's My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy, he says, uh, moral victories are for minor league coaches. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's just kind of how it is. Like if you, if you lose to Timberwolves and you play great, that's, that's, that's fine. That's whatever. Good for you. But the problem with this team is this team needs results. And it really, it's kind of the opposite where it's like, I don't care if they win 84 to 82, as long as they win, I really don't care. It doesn't matter. Like at this point, this team just needs to figure out how to get the results because that's their biggest struggle. Like I don't think we're we're in a point of where you know there was there was points where the Kings had two three good players max on their team and they would just have to rely on those three guys to show up every night. Like I don't think talent is necessarily uh, the reason why the Kings are losing on a night to night basis. It's just they aren't for for whatever reason the OKC game the the we can point at three more games this year of, of just times where they, you know, the Indiana game, uh, the Fien- just they should have gotten results. And for whatever reason, especially early in the season, they can't figure it out. They can't figure out how to win. They can't figure out how to close games. Um, and it's it's a problem.
1: Well, cl- closing games, closing games right there. It continues to be the issue. And, and I, I hate to just point out De'Aaron Fox, but historically in recent history, He's been the closer. He's mm-hmm. he's their, the team's best player, and mm-hmm. you can't rely on on Tyrese as well as he's played to be the closer every night. It just doesn't work that way for him. You can't rely on Buddy Hill to be the closer every night. I can't remember maybe more than one game. I think the Boston game, uh, the the day game, uh, where he he had he had a huge fourth quarter. Remember that? The, oh yeah,
0: yeah. It was yeah. last year or two years ago? He always yeah. killed
1: the Celtics too. He yeah. killed the Celtics, In but Boston. he's he's on a closer. Mm-hmm. Uh De'Aaron Fox is a closer. He was the 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 best fourth quarter he's,
0: scorer last year for a while. Our closer. I don't see the interesting thing about De'Aaron though is I, I feel like we don't have somebody for the last two minutes. I feel like De'Aaron's great in the fourth in general, but the shots that De'Aaron ends up getting just aren't shots that I you know, he's ended up taking he loves that fade away from like the mid-range. It's not like he kind of gets open, but at the end of the day, even if he's wide open, it's still a fade away from mid-range. Um, it's he, not the best he, shot. He, he hasn't been getting to the paint. The, the, my, my bigger point is the Kings, I feel like, in the last two minutes, just don't have anyone where it's like, look, this at this point, it's just ball. Like, we're just balling, rolling them out. We're, you know, whatever, tie game make plays and the Kings have guys who can do that. But unfortunately I just don't think uh, they have guys who can do it at an elite level where, you know, like you can, you can rely on it from a night to night basis. His rookie year, De'Aaron was, was really, really big for the Kings in the clutch, but we just, I mean, granted the team hasn't been in a lot of winning situations down the stretch, but we just haven't seen him come up. huge. Like, you know, like there's been even, you know, uh, this is a slight tangent, but um, even I remember in Damian Lillard's early years, like the Kings would, you you know, you could be up 12 15 randomly. Damian Lillard hits three threes; it's a four point game. You're like, what the hell is going on? Like this guy just came out; he's just inevitable, the single-handedly bring them, single-handedly up. bringing a team back into a game. Yeah, and and the Kings just don't have that. There's no like, if if they're not working all as a team. There's not you don't feel a push. No one is no singular person rises to the top. And that's fine. That's how you build a solid foundation. But at the end of the day, like like I said, this team needs to win games and they need well, a star player to pull them, pull them it's, through. It's sad because the Kings do have a
1: player like that, uh, like the Damon Lillard guy that can come back. They have a guy like that. But the only problem is he's only that type of player maybe one out of five, one out of four times. And it's Buddy healed. Buddy healed when he's hot, you find him down the stretch and he's knocking down two, three threes in a row. That can happen, right? But it's yeah. not to a point where you can rely on a Damian Lillard or a Paul George even mm-hmm. or a Devin Booker. A guy you can just find down the stretch, just get buckets and find looks and bring
0: his team well, back that, or, or put a game away. That's why Buddy's not those guys. Like all yeah. those guys are are just they're just better players than Buddy. And I think no. it's 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 kind of something that we talked about a little bit in the off season, but I think it's starting to glare the more and more that this team becomes just a 500 team, which they're probably going to be at the end of the year. This team doesn't have a star. Like they need a, a, they need a, a ceiling razor. Uh, they don't have anyone who is just, is just going to make the team better. Like they're all, they're all fine. It's just, if De'Aaron's going to be your best player, um, I'm not sure how, how good your your team ceiling is going to be. I mean, he he's going to be able to raise you on certain nights. And, yet, and again, like he's not he's not playing his even anywhere near his best right now. And I think uh, that's that's the reason why the Kings are are, you know, I guess I wouldn't say they're struggling, but they are where they are because De'Aaron isn't playing like the superstar that they need. Um, And that's not breaking news or anything, but it's just it's it's just what's playing out right now.
1: I will say De'Aaron is coming back. I want to give him credit. He is definitely he's coming back because if you look at his last seven games, uh, 21 or 22 points a game, we'll call it 22 points per game, six assists per game, 1.7 steals, 46 percent from the field and 34 percent from three. Um, That's the last seven games. So that's a pretty fair game sample size. He's played better the whole season. Absolutely. He has not been the De'Aaron Fox that we, we want him to be. But uh, I think right now he's getting back to that. And the thing that when when someone comes back, other things level out. Harrison Barnes has not been the same the last couple of games. Um, buddy Healed has been playing very well, but he hasn't had those big Buddy explosion games we, we like to see. Uh, last night, though, is one of those those rare occasions where everyone kind of did their part. It was a balanced effort against a bad team. But Buddy healed 22 points. De'Aaron had had 19 and 9. Uh, Tyrese a double-double. Harrison Barnes had 15 uh, and 6 rebounds, and he shot well from the field. Rashawn had almost 20 and 10. Th- the only thing is, Detroit or not, that's what the Kings need every single night if they want to be good. And right now, that's kind of a, a big ask to get that from every one of those
0: players every single night. That's what the Kings need. No, and that's that's why it's... That's why it's nice to have stars, because, you know, like Rashawn, I'm I'm not. This is just I don't mean to pick on Rashawn here, but like whatever. Harrison Barnes, Harrison Barnes. You're switching it up. Yeah, I'm just going to switch it up. Harrison Barnes isn't Kevin Durant. He's not going to show up every single night. He's just not. It's 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 really hard. It's the reason what makes these guys so great is they show up every single night knowing they're part of the, the opponent's game plan. And they still get their points regardless. It's tough when you want all if you need six guys to score over fifteen, over twelve points, like you're saying, that's a big ask. That's asking everyone to again be working in lockstep in unison to go towards the same goal. And the Kings have talked about that a lot from a non basketball perspective, uh, this year of like they're all marching to the same drum. But uh it's, it's kind of playing out on the court as well, where it's like, you know, no one's, you know, De'Aaron hasn't had his 35, 40 point game. Uh, it's, it's just been a lot of everybody needs to help contribute. Again, there's nothing wrong with that. Like I said, I think that's how you build a nice foundation. Uh, but if you're trying to get over the top, they just don't have that talent right now. And again, I think I shouldn't say that talent. They don't have that production right now. Uh, of of a star and De'Aaron could maybe potentially get there again i don't know i think i think he is really struggling not struggling i shouldn't say but he he's having a hard time figuring out how to be a secondary ball uh, not ball handler but ball mover it definitely seems like tyrese is the guy that's that's really getting people you know like the direct assist he's really getting that final link play uh to to set up the assists and De'Aaron's trying to figure out how he can still be as aggressive without having the ball in his hand as much. It's not easy, but at the same time, like these are you know Paul George and Kawhi Leonard struggle with the same thing on on different level, and uh, you just got you got to figure it out if uh, if you're gonna win games because everybody everybody else is trying to win too, and like they're it's not good enough right now.
1: No, a lot needs to go right, and a lot could go right. It maybe the Kings run into a good streak here. That's remains to be seen. We have to figure out, uh, or we have to see how the team can figure out this upcoming stretch. Like we said, mm-hmm. Minnesota coming up, things don't get any easier. No, um,
0: and that's why we emphasized in, in our last episode. Like the Kings needed to win these, or at least you know, with these games, they didn't. they needed three out of four. Though they needed, they needed three out of four at least. Yes, and uh, they didn't get that, and so now they're two games under five hundred with Minnesota on Wednesday. Uh, the Raptors, who are no slouch on Friday, and then then Back. comes the tough stretch where it's damn Utah. Utah. Why is Utah? How many yeah. times did we play Utah this season? This is the third time already this S- month. I just or, don't sorry, understand. Just, like in this, yeah, from twenty two to twenty two, October
1: and November, we played Utah three times.
0: Yes, from October twenty second to November twentieth, so not even a full calendar month. Three we times. Have played Utah three times it's about once a week almost. Okay, that's great. <laughs> Just about. And uh it's 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 if we're using Utah games as a gauge of of how we're doing, I mean, it'll be it'll be interesting to see how they come out that game. At least it'll be a home game, but Cuz they played
1: them well twice. They played mm-hmm. them well twice and they've even almost yeah. you could say they've almost had them. Uh, Especially the first really. time,
0: yeah. I, yeah, it's, so it's, it's, yeah. Well, um, so yeah, take they real, got Minnesota. They got the Timber or they got the Timberwolves. They got the Raptors. Then they got the Utah Sixers, Blazers, Lakers, Grizzlies, Lakers, Clippers twice. Which um, real quick last
1: week we said that LeBron LeBron was going to be out. He's coming back Friday. So he's coming back. Yep, he's come he's coming back. So. <laughs> so
0: that'll be the uh, well. I wouldn't say the end of the Lakers struggles. I think they still got some things to figure out. But um, you know, I'm, I'm I would expect helps. the Kings to drop one of those. Bold take: Kings are going to beat the Jazz wow that is a bold take i mean you know it's it's it. tough to sweep a team three times in a month so i feel it that that would be a great win you know that would i wouldn't say that would make up for the okc win but at least you know you you lose one you're not supposed to lose you win one you're not supposed to win so i guess i'm pretty, in that pessimistic. It balances
1: out. I'm pretty pessimistic but i do think that they're gonna i have a feeling they're gonna they're gonna get them at least once uh
0: so they- i have like i don't know if this is uh, it's not really a question, but it's just what do you think about the fact that, you know, the the Luke drama uh, gets gets uh, some some fuel to it with the Sam Make article uh, saying that that is if the Kings continue to lose a lot of a lot of caveats here. If the Kings continue to lose games, Luke Walton might have his job on the line which is a lot of like, if then, but he might um.
1: I'll just
0: say, I think if I think
1: the upcoming stretch is coming at a very bad time for Luke <laughs> based yes. on the timing of that article and the timing of that news. I think it's, it's a, I think that, I don't know. It, the, the timing is very interesting to me because if it's all it took for Luke t- to be fired was a four game losing streak. Why is he, why is he even here in the first place? Do we not think this is going to happen at least once this season? Do we not think this is gonna happen at least once this season is my question? Because I think everyone knew the Kings were gonna have a rough stretch this year. And then not the Matt first, first stretch, not Matt George, not Matt Boogie George. But the first rough stretch of the season, the the two most credible King sources come out with an article and say, Hey, Luke's thin ice, buddy. Thin ice wasn't he on thin ice before then? Because the Kings always worked with this team. They were going to lose at some point, at least a little bit. They still might make the play, and they might make the playoffs, but they, they weren't going to be a 55-56 win team and not have a long, at least one bad stretch of the year. So that's my question. Why does, why does a four-game losing streak change the overall outlook on Luke Walton For the, from an organizational standpoint?
0: Yeah, I think... I don't know it's it's an interest the whole thing is interesting, like even the what does this article even what is this even saying like again, like I said like it's a lot of if they continue to lose games okay how many games? like is this the end of the week is this the next three games is what it are he might be put on the hot like we're going to have to look into like i it's just doesn't make sense to me. Uh, a scare like tactic. Said, a like scare tactic. It, that's almost what it seems like, but not to Luke. It seems like it was a message to the players. Because my of, thing is, like you said, like I don't know what, what would have changed besides the fact that you lost games you weren't anticipating losing. But even then, you know, it's not, it's not the end of the world. It's a long season. You can figure it out. But the fact that... I mean, the only real coaching change Luke made from the time of he we learned of his his job maybe being in peril to the Detroit game was he played Marvin and which I don't think had to do with the article I think that was just they didn't care they didn't feel like they needed stops Um but I just I, it's I don't think like Luke made any drastic coaching changes I think the team the team just needed to play harder like I don't understand what's what's what changed from a team perspective from OKC and Detroit? Was it not just an effort level? Was it, it not, he he switched that, up that Luke's fault, and I I'm asking yeah. that. No, it's like he's switching. Is 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 the team's effort? Is the player's effort on Luke Wall?
1: He's doing everything that people want him to do. Though he switched, he switched the rotation last night. He switched the rotation. A few times now. Chemezi-Machie's well, playing. playing well. Out. And he's playing well right now. Yeah. Uh, Marvin Bagley played last night. And he he played late. The starters didn't even come out late. I think mm-hmm. Luke really kept the, the pedal on the gas last night by not taking many of the starters out until the game was – there's a minute yeah. left. I think then Jamias Ramsey came in. But um, I, I'm not going to sit here and say that the, the Kings are the Kings because it's all Luke Walton's fault. Because I think even if you're saying that you don't really believe it, it's not all Luke Walton's fault. I think he's not – the best head coach in the NBA, but the Kings also aren't the best team in the NBA. Mm -hmm. And I think I saw someone say on Twitter that good teams make bad coaches look good. It's like, Okay. Well, the Kings aren't playing well either. Mm -hmm. How much can you really blame Luke Walton? He's, he's Mm -hmm. changing things up. He's doing different things. He's not, he's not doing the same. It's not insanity doing the same things over and over expecting, expecting different results. He's, he's going on the fly and the team likes him. Which, like we said, scare tactic, maybe the scare tactic was for the team.
0: Because mm-hmm. you you, see like, guys hey, like, you guys like this coach, you guys, if you want this coach, you got to play well. You know, you see
1: like, Tyre- yeah, Tyrese Halberton comes out after the game and says, hey, that's our coach. We all have his back. Mm-hmm. OK, that's something that's pretty that we've those heard words,
0: not that in the past, not yeah. from Luke, but from previous coaches, we have heard players not have coaches backs. The complete opposite. Mm-hmm. so we've Even seen snakes, snakes in grass. Hager, a, a, a good coach you know a, a coach yeah. that people universally pretty much liked and uh you know players had issues with him um yeah and Dave people like Dave, luke you know it's it's interesting because you know players we've talked like about it off off uh off record before but you know Luke Walton's got the second highest winning percentage in, in Sacramento Kings or I think in Kings history as a coach behind, uh, Rick Alleman. And, you know, <laughs> that that's honestly not saying much because I, I think he's still under like 400. Yeah, We're not saying uh, good
1: job, Luke for that, but it's, it's no. the
0: truth. It's the but truth. Also like people have done worse. And that's, again, that is not, <laughs> that is not the, the level that you should reach is what your past failures were. But, uh, he's, he's at least gotten this team to, again, like a foundational level of like, there's something here and we can build on it if we need to, but at the least, the floor is not going to fall out of this. And I think that's not something that we've had in a while. And I mean, you know, it's, it's been building for four years. And even then it's like, this is the best you have to show for it. But I don't know. I, I, I agree with you. I think Luke isn't a hundred percent the problem for sure. Um, I don't know if he's 50% the problem. I don't know what, whatever you want to put on it, but it's an equal share of like the guys. Like I said, the last two minutes is pretty much just guys rolling the ball out. Unless, you know, there's Luke's actually, and you mentioned this before we started recording Luke's drawn some nice uh, timeout of bounds. Yeah. Some nice out of bounds plays some some out of timeouts. Besides that, the last two minutes are pretty much all on the players. Even even the Phoenix
1: game, the Phoenix game, wasn't it? Wasn't his fault.
0: (laughs) This so. is completely not fair, and this is the most sports radio thing I've ever said, but did Luke Walton get stripped by Lou Dort? Mm. Is that
1: Luke's fault? No, no. That's what I'm saying is people want – he's a scapegoat. He's the easiest, he easiest yeah. person Great. to shift blame to, and he's not going to be the Kings coach long term. I know that. My only problem is if they fire Luke Walton, Alvin Gentry is going to take over, which Alvin Gentry has been a coach forever. And that's great. That's fine. Only problem with that is he's not going to be here long term either. Yeah. You need a coaching search. It should have been done in the offseason if this is if this was going to be the Kings tactic. That's my problem is if they were going to put this leak out because the Kings never leak. They obviously they did this because they they want to light a fire under someone's ass. Mm -hmm. Preferable. I mean, I'm guessing the team. Not Luke. Luke knows his job's on the line. They <laughs> did this be-
0: too. That's a great point, right there. Is Luke probably knows? Like, Luke is Luke's no. Uh, people go ahead. And laugh. Luke's no idiot, man. Like that fool is. He knows. Like he's well aware of his team. He knows. You know, Monty McNairn is his. His, uh, his interview with Sam Amick said they talk every day. Mm-hmm. I'm sure. You know the, these conversations have to happen. Of. Losing is not acceptable. Like you and I both know that. And you have to know that, you know, your job will be on the line. It
1: just just makes me wonder what went behind that, that process of releasing that, that leaker story, because Luke knows if, I guess the team, if they didn't know, they know now, maybe they like. I don't know if Luke gives them some sort of freedom or what it is or why they, why they like him so much. I mean, I know he seems like he's a likable, he's a player's coach played in the league for years, but, um, yeah, I, I just don't think that firing Luke Walton right now is going to make the, the Kings better. Uh, it, could, it could probably make them even worse, truthfully, or it maybe it won't make a difference at all. That's the point. What is it going to change? I don't think it's going to no. change anything. The no. team needs to play better. If the, if the, group, if the group of players aren't going to be playing well and they're not succeeding, then that needs to change too. Yeah. Which that's another thing we, uh, I've been seeing around is is there could be some, some moves made. Some, some people could not be around come the deadline. That could be where, where Buddy Heald or Harrison Barnes or, or other players get moved. People that – players at teams want. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if the Fox-Simmons stuff is going to happen. That's its own thing. But, um, yeah, I, I just – I'm not buying into all this this uh, fire Luke. It's going to fix everything. Mm-hmm. I know people are frustrated. They want a better head coach for sure. That's fair. But firing Luke Walton
0: right now is not going to put the Kings in the playoffs. That's not how it works. And if
1: I'm wrong, I'll eat it. But still,
0: I I don't believe so. I mean, yeah, I I don't think this is going to be a Nate McMillan situation where, you know, Nate comes in and then all of a sudden uh, uh, Alvin would come in and then all of a sudden the team would be reinvigorated running the flank. Granted, in his past, Alvin Gentry has been a more pace forward coach and, and, you know, tends to push the ball pretty heavily. Uh, So maybe that would be a, a difference. But. I don't think there would be some like you're saying, some monumental shift in the team and, and if you if you're gonna make a move like that to your point completely, like you need to make sure that this is a move that's going to make the team better. Yep. Uh because if you're gonna fire the coach, also Monty McNair, like how many times have you and I talked about what is <laughs> what has Monty done? What is what imprint has Monty put on this team that is like, this is not this is not on me. I gave you all the tools necessary, and we 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 even not only that. I tried to adjust to your whatever. What it wasn't working. So my to my. I'm just trying to echo what you're saying. Of essentially, Monty needs to make a move as well. Like this isn't just on Luke to figure it out on the court. If he doesn't have the players that that can get the results, or isn't doesn't have players that are getting the results that's all money as well. Like he needs to figure out just as responsible as Luke is for, for the roster. Um, And we just, we, we haven't seen him do any, I mean, last season was, was the, was the big pump fake of like, something's going to happen. Something's going to happen at the deadline. We're going to move buddy. We're going to move somebody. We're going to move Marvin. Same thing with the off season. We're going to move buddy. We're going to move Marvin. Nothing. And just a bunch of low level signings that are, not really. Clearly, not moving the needle much at all. And the core of this it, team is still intact, Chris. It, the, the core of this team, the core has not changed. Of, in of years.
1: Rashawn, of, of De'Aaron, Harrison, Rashawn, Buddy, Marvin. People that go back three years now is still intact. These are. Just, this is
0: still the same core. And who of those guys did Monty McNair bring it? None. You can say, I guess, in the most... Rashawn can kind of count now. Yeah. But he retained retained him. He retained him. I I mean, Tyrese, obviously. Tyrese is is part of the core, and and Monty drafted him, but that's, you know... The starting lineup from opening night, or uh, Dwayne Deadman was
1: starting opening night, but that basically the starting lineup that was from 2019-20 is still on the team. De'Aaron, Buddy, Harrison, Bagley, Rashawn... And all of them, except Bagley, which last night he did play almost 20 minutes. I don't know if that's going to be something that's going to continue going forward. I'd be open to it just because Mohar wasn't playing well. Different discussion. But the point is that core is still here. So if you have a problem with the way that Luke Walton's coaching and the problem with the way the team's playing, maybe it's time to break up the core and get some new pieces in.
0: I would also argue that it's a lot easier to trade players than it is to find a new coach. Much
1: easier and a head coaching search is not best conducted. As we've learned in the middle of a season, hello George Carl. Uh the Kings need to do it thoroughly. And I'm not saying maybe this means Luke Walton should last the rest of the season. If the Kings rattle off a seven, eight game losing streak, I'm all for firing him because that just mm-hmm. cannot happen. But four-game losing streaks happen. It's oh it over it's over and ended. It's not okay, but they happen. Now if another one happens or a longer one happens, yeah. I think maybe that, that discussion can open up because that just that just is a that's a that's that's a habit you just cannot have around. That's a very bad habit. Losing streaks are an awful ugly habit. Mm-hmm. And I just think that right now the best way the Kings can go about this is let's see what happens. Luke has eleven and a half million dollars in the book still. The Kings have a track record of paying multiple head coaches at once. It's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. See what happens. Conduct a thorough coaching search in the off season. See what other feet drop. Maybe other coaches find are on the market. You never know. There's no reason to rush in any decision because of a four-game losing streak in November. Otherwise, the, Luke shouldn't have been here in the first place. Mm-hmm. Why go into the season with him? That's the only problem I have. I don't want to keep going in circles, but um, to, to put that, my last thought, and close, what the hell are you doing having him run the team in November? if you're going to put out a story like this yeah. after 13 games. Yeah. He shouldn't be here then. That's all.
0: Yeah, if you had to guess, I mean, do do you think Luke will will make it the remainder of the season? I mean, I'm not asking I think you to like actually project wins and losses, but just off off vibes.
1: I think he's going to I think he's going to make it through the season. I don't know why I just don't have I just don't feel like they're going to fire him in the middle of the season unless something crazy happens where an injury happens like on wood and the Kings just are 15 and 33. Maybe they fire him and they say, Hey, we're punting on the season anyway. And let's just kind of get some, some new looks in here. Uh, What's like, what's the point for them at that point? But I think as long as they're in it, in the play-in race, in the playoff race, which I believe it's going to be harder for them to fall out of because of the bottom 10, 11, 12 teams are going to all be pretty not great. They're going to be knocking on that door. So I just can't see them making that move while they're still knocking on that door and in that competition. But um, yeah, how do you feel?
0: Yeah, I was just going to say the same thing Whereas, like I I, for everything you stated before, too, of like, it just doesn't make sense. It's not the right way of doing it, uh, especially if you're trying to get the one. Uh, It's just not the right way of doing it. And there's no reason to do it in the middle of the season uh, unless like you just said, like unless the season has completely fallen out and at that point, like we might be, I'm not saying we're trading Deer and Fox, but at that point, maybe, you know, we're trading Harrison Barnes or something. Buddy Healed is on the move and and maybe it's just a complete shift of this didn't work. My fault. Let's start again. Yeah, there
1: there's a punt scenario to the season. I think the mm-hmm. punt scenario is you trade Harrison Barnes, you trade Buddy Healed.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh maybe and either whatever we see where
0: we stand after yeah. that.
1: Yeah, And then you fire Luke Walton. That's yeah. kind of like, that's like the punt scenario. Whereas we're in, we're in late January, February, and we're nine games out of the 10 spot, which mm-hmm. that would be ridiculous. It's so hard. How bad the Kings played. They, they're already back within the top 10. It, they lost four in a row and they're still in the top 10. It's going to be right. tough to, to not be in the Man. top 10 this year, I think. Awesome. So, um, yeah, there's a punt scenario, but we'll see if it gets there. I don't think that they're there yet. I think that this was a a, a total scare tactic, um, if not for Luke Walton, for, for the players, because if they do like Luke Walton like they say they do, and they want him to stay as head coach, they need to play better. And they played better last night against a bad Detroit team, but winning games you should win. We can't turn our nose up at wins. A win's a win for the Sacramento mm-hmm. Kings. We're not picky about wins, so...
0: This is very random. I'm sorry. I was looking at the uh, schedule go. ahead. And uh I'm looking here in in January and um I'm not I'm not looking forward to this stretch here. Oh, this is so random. I'm sorry. Uh the Kings have this stretch in late January Jan- starting January 22nd, a uh, road trip from Ooh. January 22nd all the way through the end of uh the month of January, January 31st. At Milwaukee, at Boston, at Atlanta. At Philly, at the Knicks, and then come home February 2nd for Brooklyn. And and Golden State. At Golden State. See, that is one, two, three, four, five, six, potential seven-game losing streak. And I wouldn't even be, like, I couldn't even blame them. Let's bookmark that stretch
1: right now. If the Kings are, are four games out of the playing spot at that point, that could be where we see Luke Walton fired. Yeah if they're the eight seed at that point and is they that go pre
0: all-star as well is that just before that's, the all-star
1: that's pre all-star break oh that's a killer that's Ooh. a killer Ooh. that that's i know that's like we're being premature but that's the season to me right there i don't know what's Ooh. gonna happen over the next two months but when you look at a stretch like that in the middle of a season before the all-star break they tailor made this for for luke walton hey buddy what do you what are you guys made of because bro i like want to <laughs>
0: How, already how, I'm just how, looking at that stretch <laughs> i i wouldn't want to coach that how, even if i had like hell, 72 win warriors how do we not have the hardest stre- remaining
1: stress uh, uh, strength oh, of schedule left because this We're is re- easy that's yeah keep bookmark that yeah. uh keep an january, eye on that
0: mid-january january
1: 22nd road trip to be more um to be more i guess in the now the upcoming stretches before we get into the basketball roulette. Yep. I think we're skipping awards this week, right? Because yeah, we're, we're going to skip you,
0: awards this week. We're going
1: to skip awards. We'll, we'll get to awards on Saturday, but uh, I'll just give Tyrese a, a, a complimentary. Uh, just king of the week. He's been playing. I think he's been playing better out of anybody, but just because we're not doing awards this week, um, Toronto, you after Minnesota, obviously, which tomorrow, that's one of those games where I could see it going either way. Um, Toronto, Utah, Philly, Portland homestand. Those are coming up next week. Um, that's a tough stretch. Like you said, things get really, really difficult coming up here. So we are, we're looking ahead to that January, February week, but this might be a week right here where we see where this, what this team's going to be. Cause mm-hmm. it, formidable opponents. If the Kings can come out of that stretch, what is it? Five games, two and three. Yeah. I'll be impressed if they can come out of, come out of Minnesota, Toronto, Utah. That's uh that's, is that my math right? Is that six games? One, two, three, four, five, five. Two and three. I'll be impressed.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm kind of I'm past the point of of trying to count their win. Like, of I I think two and three is a a, a reasonable uh stretch, Ask. but I just can't. After what we just saw, like, I can't realistically be like, I need oh, we want three and go. two. Yeah, like I just whatever they. I'm just I'm just done forecasting with this team for the moment because I don't feel like I have a good I don't feel like I don't think anybody has a good feel for what the this roster is who are you know we had on our show prep today who are the real kings the ones who got beat against OKC or the, or the ones who beat Detroit I don't think anybody knows I mean I think I or that is who the team is they're just not inconsistent but just they're they're a box of chocolates. On a given night, you never know what what you're gonna get. You they're gonna know what you're gonna get. Yeah. I mean, honestly though, is this really any different than what the Kings have been in the past where it's they play up to competition, play down to competition, and sometimes they'll they'll just randomly blow out uh something's never a changed. Team, you know?
1: It's it does Something feel like
0: it's, it's been Groundhog Day
1: since since twenty fifteen, sixteen, maybe, where the teams just been Good but bad. Have they won thirty games every year since then, or no? They lost. I think they they only won like twenty seven games a year. Uh, D Aaron was drafted, I think. Um, but no, it, it just felt like Groundhog Day. And at some point, they're gonna have to have an O. I almost cursed stretch. You know, an O. Mm-hmm. Beep stretch where they just win seven of eight. And we've had something like that before. I think a year or two ago, where they won five of six or six of seven. They played really well. Or 13 of 17, they've had really good stretches. I think that was 18, 19. Um, but it's going to have to happen at some point. And right now, mm-hmm. here we are looking at a very tough upcoming stretch against, I think everyone made the playoffs. Toronto didn't, but they're. I think Toronto, we can say, is quote-unquote back. They're going to be in the playoff races here. year. Mm-hmm. Utah going to be the number one seed. Philly, I don't know how, how that's going to be going uh, a week from now. Ben, I don't think Joel Embiid's been cleared to return yet mm-hmm. from – COVID Ben Simmons is not going to play probably ever for them again. I don't know if that's a game we can look at as a, as a really, a, maybe yeah. that's the easiest quote, easiest game, Portland. I don't I'm not trying to preview every game. You never know.
0: You can just never tell how you're, how we're going to do against Portland. Portland's always been a team that we can beat. I mean, I don't, I wouldn't say they're, they're even close to his deep. Portland's never had much depth uh, since like their Mo Harkless, Al yeah. days, but yeah. um that's usually a team that we can hang with at least.
1: I will say that every game is winnable, and I don't want to sit here and and, and say, "Oh my God, a dark cloud's coming, a storm's coming, the Kings are going to go oh and five the Kings should win they should win they have a chance to win these games, and if they want to prove that they belong in the plan of the playoffs, or that Luke Walton's going to keep his job because mm-hmm. it seems like that's what both Luke and the team want right now mm-hmm. the the players got to show it
0: yeah and show I, it. I I think this would be a nice little like uh I don't know what the, it's kind of like a, it's just a fake boot. Like if they were, if they were to go four and one and, you know, only lose to Utah in that stretch, which is a possibility, mm-hmm. I think it would, it would, it would kind of, it would look good for the, the, the aesthetic of Luke Walton had his job on the line, Kings win. Like you said, that would be five of the next six. Um, and go on and you know then they can kind of play they have some wiggle room to lose some games win some games whatever but um th- you look at those teams to your point, and those are all fair i mean you know it's it's going to take an effort but those are all fairly winnable games you know yeah. the the timberwolves are not world beaters the raptors are are the same seed i believe in they're the kings and the raptors are both 10 seeds in their conferences um, the Jazz, obviously, like you said, are, are a tough matchup. But the Kings have already played them twice, already lost to them twice. Basketball is tough four. to beat the team three times. That would be something that would be. I mean, if the Kings can win the next three games, I'm not even. going to... But if if they can beat Utah and have that capitalize on on a win streak, or capital, you know, put the cherry on top of a win streak, that would be. That might ride Luke all the way to that January stretch we're talking about. Basketball is the sixth word. That's going to be the key. Yeah, I, I do think this is a very big stretch, um, just for figuring out who it is that this team is. Because yeah, there's some winnable games here, but there's also just they're fifty fifty. They really are like as winnable as they are. They're just as losable, and it's kind of similar to the to the Indiana and the Charlotte games that that we saw right before the uh, right before the break, where it's like, all right, like. I hope that they can beat these teams, but at the same time, like both of these teams are, are no slouch and, and, and can beat us. And you saw what happened there. We, we finished 500 looking like two completely different teams on two nights. Yeah. So um, we'll see any given Long-winded night. answer of saying, I don't know who this team is. No, we don't happens.
1: know. We're still figuring it out as it goes on. I mean, again, anything can happen on any night. Uh, two years ago, tomorrow was that buddy heel game in Sacramento where, Um, He had a big shot late. Kings with my one point. Marcus Smart, the ball falls off. Celtics were on a 10-game winning streak coming in. You never know what can happen on any night. And the Kings are historically, historically, they're a good home team. They have yet to show up this season. Again, they haven't had many games at home this season. Um, So, yeah, they're going to have a four-game homestand starting Friday. Tomorrow, they play Minnesota. Um, We'll be back on Sunday. But before we finish, should we do a
0: B-ball? We do Ref- our B-Ball reference roulette. I just it's, checked. Uh, you came with the name? Yes, you just checked, Frank. I just checked. You me, so do you want me to I pick it? it actually it? just switched it because I checked basketball it Reference was, about an hour ago, and it was different. Vladi was on there in the last Vladi one. Vladi yeah. was on there, exactly. And they but just launched up today's, and we have we have a great list. Should we give flowers to Little Buckets? I think we have to, we have uh, to get flowers just, to just so bit. everyone knows just for, for context sake. Uh, we, uh, started this last week where we, um, just go on basketball reference. If you go on basketball, com, there's always the random assortment of 12 players that they list. Just, you can click on them, look at their career, whatever. It's really fun. Me and Frank have decided we're going to take a look at those 12 people, pick one, pick two, maybe. And, uh, just, just talk whatever, about whatever conversation. Some, we're we're gonna call it. Give, from, give them flowers,
1: yeah, or find out who the hell they are, because there could be a case
0: where we or don't find know. out who the hell they are. Because, yeah, today we're giving uh, Marcus Marcus Thornton some, some flowers. Random like guys in the fifties that like you know would score thirty a game. Uh, yes, but today we're gonna do little buckets. Marcus Thornton. Um, our other options, I might as well just list them out: Landry Shamit, Sheldon Mack, Tyler Johnson, uh, Fred Schaus Don't know who that is, but he's his picture's in black and white. Uh, Tremont Waters, Charlie Brown, I think uh, Charlie Brown of OKC formerly, Darius Miles, uh, Antonio Blankley, the aforementioned Little Buckets, Marcus Thornton, uh, PJ Brown, Chris Johnson, and Malcolm Miller. So, uh, yeah, could have done Tyler see. Johnson, you know, talk about how he got paid way too much money uh, and ended up sucking uh, Darius Miles. I think we, last week we talked about... Um, Sebastian Telfair being in a movie mm-hmm. uh, PJ or uh, I remember Darius miles was in this movie called accepted. I th- mm-hmm. or no, not accepted. It was called the perfect score. And oh it's a yeah, movie yeah. About these like high school people, kids, these high school people uh, who are like trying to get perfect score on the SAT and they like break into the SAT database and like get perfect scores on their SAT weird movie, but it's starring Darius miles. Um, but, um... But- <laughs> What was your favorite Marcus Thornton moment? I would honestly, this is a cop out. This is definitely a cop out, but I'm going to say all of it. Like just the surprise of, of Marcus Thornton. Uh, I can't, let me, let me click him because I can't remember exactly how we ended up acquiring him. But if I'm not mistaken, I know how, was he not a a mid season acquisition? It was Carl Landry. The Kings traded Carl Landry for him. That's great. It is, uh, that's what we like to call value. Is the second stint of Carl Landry, correct?
1: It was the first stint. The Kings signed Carl, uh, Carl Landry after he played with, um, with Houston. And, or the Kings traded for him. I think the Kings traded for him. In what trade was that? Was it the Artest trade? I'm trying to see here, and I do not We're going to do a little deep dive. Carl Landry was traded to the Kings from the Houston Rockets. uh, He was
0: traded by the New Orleans Hornets with cash to the Sacramento Kings for Carl Landry, February 23rd,
1: 2011. So Carl Landry came to to the Kings in the the Kevin Martin deal, and then the Kings flipped Carl Landry for Marcus Thornton. Marcus Thornton, though, his first, I want to say, was it the first month of the team? He drops 42 points on the Warriors in Golden yeah. State.
0: Yeah.
1: And that was I remember watching that game when I was in high school. And I was just, oh, my God, he's going to be the next best. He's going to be like the next Kevin Martin or the next Bibby. Or, And uh, it didn't really work out that way. But
0: I mean, he was legit. I mean, uh, that that half season, it was 27 games. I'm looking here. He played 27 games for us that second half of the season. averaged 21 a game. Got and buckets just what came out was was ready uh what is his shooting percentage 45 percent from the field uh 36 from three i honestly thought it was higher than that so did but i he took oh that's <laughs> i was like he took 12 three-point attempts a game <laughs> it was uh it was five well then the, kings, the kings paid him too The
1: kings paid him after that stretch they gave him they what is it four years 36 or something 36 like yeah he got paid though i mean that's. That's money. That so. Sounds
0: right. He got paid. Oh, I don't see how much he got paid. Um Yeah, he made about eight mil a year for the Kings, seven to eight mil a year. That's a nice chunk of change, but it was. And he was he was a good player. Like that was the thing, is like he played alongside Tyre he played with Tyreek, which I think was tough for him because they kind of played the same position. And uh I you know it was clear that Marcus was the better shooter and Tyreek was still trying to figure out that part of his game and I always preferred Marcus. I mean, I, I really did like, you know, obviously Tyreek had all the allure and and the star power, but I just, I felt like, you know, Marcus was, was such a good shooter. And honestly he was, he was an underrated basketball player. He was a pretty big body. Um, He wasn't the greatest defender by any stretch, but he, he at least could, you know, use his body and, and, get in front of people he was a decent sized two guard and uh i I think all memories of marcus i don't really know i mean i can't really remember how his career ended up like faltering but
1: well i think for the kings actually he, he was out of the league at 29 he's only 34 he was out of the league at 29 30 years old but he played he played nine seasons eight seasons uh but i think we all kind of were kings fans back in 2011 2012 I think we all thought the core was going to be Tyreek DeMarcus Marcus uh, and Mark, Marcus Thornton. And then Isaiah obviously burst onto the scene, but mm-hmm. I think those three were the ones we were kind of looking at, like Boogie, Tyreek, and Marcus, where, you know, Marcus scoring 20 a game uh, coming into the season that Boogie's drafted. and um, Tyreek was still Tyreek, Boogie top five pick. Uh, it's just funny seeing those billboards, those pictures, of those billboards that used to be around yeah. town. <laughs> yeah. He was he was a big part of that. Marcus was a big part of that. So and the the, Le,
0: the LeBron tweet. When yeah, I was going to say we got to talk about the little but like little buckets originated. Everyone yep. remembers that game. That was the uh, the game. I think LeBron absolutely ended Ben McLemore. No, isn't that LeBron has his highlight on the Heat where he uh, like Ben is trying to set a set a charge like right yeah. on the block and uh, LeBron. I think LeBron's knee is like in Ben's mouth. <laughs> and uh, he threw it down on his face. It's so bad. If I'm not mistaken, after that game, I think the Kings took them to overtime and then lost that game. They, they lost the in overtime. Post game, LeBron was like, he was asked about, you know, hey, this is a little scrappy Kings team, isn't it? And he was like, yeah. Yeah. You know, they got some players. They got, I think he said, Cuz and, and Tyreek and Isaiah. Isaiah. And then said, Lil
1: Buckets. Well, that game, Lil Buckets scored 36 points. He Who went eight of twelve from three? Marcus Thornton did. The Kings did lost to in over double overtime though.
0: Yeah. Did you know of the little buckets name before that? Before LeBron had called him little buckets, I had never heard of it once, not, not one time. Once. And I feel and like at I, that point he had been on the Kings for probably a full season. Maybe I think like, like that was three.
1: His... I think three yeah. years at that point. Uh
0: that did was he two... just? Did LeBron just coin that? Is that? Yeah, he'd been on the team
1: for three years, and LeBron has called him little Buckets. Because at that point, Marcus Thornton had been pushed out of the starting lineup for Isaiah. Yeah. And in this game, he scored 36 off the bench. And that was the Aaron Brooks year, Chuck Hayes year, Jimmer Fredette year, uh, Tony Douglas on that team. Too. Sounds like
0: Tony Douglas? Yeah, that game, Tony though. Douglas was stopping people at half court. I remember that. <laughs> he
1: beat his, oh, Le- LeBron and Wade combined for 80 that game. That's why the Kings lost. Um That'll do but, it. That'll do it. But no, I'd never heard that game that name before in my life. And I remember hearing it, and I just nope. didn't – I didn't even like it. I still don't nope. really think I'm going to ever – not that people talk about Marcus Thornton like he's a household no. name for Kings fans, but I guess – actually, sadly enough, he probably is a household name for Kings fans. Oh, he
0: definitely is. Oh, Marcus yeah. Thornton 100%. If you don't know who Marcus Thornton is, then you literally missed out. You can't like, be a that Kings tells fan. me that you missed the whole era of Kings basketball. Hey, he was dirty on 2K, though. Oh, I mean, I think that's why I liked him so much. Tyreek, like, everything I said, I, I thought it was implied that I was talking about 2K when I said I like Marcus Thornton.
1: Yep, 2K, uh, 12 or 13, yeah. he was just un- Filthy. Un- unstoppable from yeah. the three-point line. Um, But he played for the Kings for four years, just to kind of put a cherry on it. Uh, yeah. Four years for the Kings, he averaged 14 points a game, shot 35% from three. I thought that number would be higher. I just thought I that too. number would
0: be higher. Maybe volume. Yeah.
1: Did did uh, Ben Mclemore have a higher three point percentage than? Oh,
0: there is no way in hell, Frankie, Ben Mclemore. There is no way. Ben Mclemore even shot over thirty four percent. This be can't shocked. be right. This can't be right. No, they both.
1: Let me confirm. They both thirty five point four. Ben Mclemore shot. 35.4% from the three-point line with the Kings. Marcus Thornton shot 35.3%. Ben McLemore has him by point, sure. point 0.1. Mm-hmm. I, and it's just so funny how much we remember Marcus Thornton for just being a gunner, just a guy that was knocking down threes left and right, and then we think about Ben McLemore in a totally different light, and in reality, they're about the same player.
0: I mean, I'm even looking at Ben's points here, and he managed to trick 13.3 points a game in his five seasons here in Sac. every year it felt like ben macklemore averaged four points eight, eight points a game and he Wait, never you... Ben McElmore averaged like he was he was oh i'm sorry i'm looking at his per 36 I'm yeah sorry. that's why i was but like you're, damn, you're bro, awesome. no way he averaged well.
1: Here is the thing, and I remember finding this this comparison that people okay. gonna yeah, think and people are going to yeah. And he a did sicko. average about eight points a game. Okay, I was like, "There is no way people are going to think I am a sicko." Let me also confirm this. But I, I remember this, going I, sicko mode. I pulled up this comparison, and it was spot on at the time that Ben McLemore' his career was going to his trajectory was going to align with Page, Stoyakov, Page Stoyakovic because the first year, new co-host, the first year of Ben's career he averaged eight points per game. The first year of Paige's career, he averaged eight points a game. The second year of Ben's career, 12 points per game on 35% shooting from three. The second (laughs) year of Paige's career, 12 points per game on 37%. The trajectories seemed like they were going to align. And then in year three, Paige went off and became Paige at 20 points per game. All-star talent, Ben McElmore came back to seven points a game, and then he was off the team completely the next year. Um,
0: But I tried talking myself into it. Ben's efficiency was his biggest pro. I mean, we've gone from talking Marcus Thornton to Ben Maclamore completely, but like Ben Ben, I'm looking at his percentage here, 37% from the field his rookie year. Definitely felt that way. 32% from three, his rookie year definitely felt that way.
1: It's a bummer though, because Ben McLemore in college, I'll never forget watching Ben McLemore at Kansas thinking I, the Kings need him. They need a guy like that. They need a, a shooting guard because at that time we didn't have a shooting guard. I think Marcus Sorton was t- kind of beginning to regress and mm-hmm. Isaiah had taken the starting spot. And um,
0: yeah. And I honestly tell you the moment that I knew Ben McLemore wasn't going to turn out in the NBA. What's that? When before right before his dunk contest, which he lamely dunked over Sha, I still think that was lame. Um in the prep for that, they I remember hearing that Ben couldn't palm the ball. Like, oh, I remember hearing that too. Basketball. At that point. Small hands. I can relate. It just doesn't make sense. Like I can I am 5'10. And I can, I do have big hands, but I can palm a basketball. If Ben McLemore is 6'4, 6'5, whatever, he's listed as 6'3, my guy. And he's supposed to be a dunk. And that's another thing, too, is like he would, every time he dunked, he couldn't, like, he would, like, cup it. He, he could cup it. Yeah. It was just, it, it was, wouldn't, it would
1: make the LeBron, he couldn't cock back and just yeah, let it, let it, it just was, rim rattle. It just, no, he had to, he
0: had to kind of cradle it um Some, that, that's where like the eyeball test for basketball that's that's part of it for me it's just like well uh, while on the like, subject of dunking this
1: Bob, we're about to end this i know everybody's still here but this uh great <laughs> on the subject of dunking De'Aaron fox doesn't dunk anymore have you noticed that he's he just not dunk anymore I think he
0: has one dunk this season
1: and he said that, yeah and this tweet came up where he said uh long-haired fox was uh he said that short-haired fox is better 'Cause it was like a highlight reel of De'Aaron yeah. over his first couple years. He's like long haired Fox or short haired fox is better, but long haired fox dunked more. And it's it's just I'm thinking, well, why his explosiveness, I think he's just trying to get be crafty and kind of cut to the rack in different ways now, So of just going right at the rim in in a Westbrook fashion, just I'm gonna dunk on you. De'Aaron doesn't really do that anymore. So I just want to kind of throw I mean, that
0: in. Yeah, I if you know, you want me to overanalyze, I'll say it's probably his like you know he's he's gaining weight. He's, he's less explosive. Uh, I mean, when he was I mean when he was younger, he was flying. Like he was running fast, flying through the air fast. Like he was he was not do reckless. But
1: do you think he's the most athletic king? Is he the most athletic king on the team
0: right now? Right now, yeah, um, yeah. yeah, sure. Um, he has to be right. Like if you're just saying like. You're just saying like if I were to take someone's athletic, like the athleticism, athletic from yeah. you,
1: your athleticism, like your your speed, your yeah, your, um, your vertical, just being an athlete.
0: Yeah, because I mean, yeah, being an athlete is like it's like a vague. Yeah, yeah. I mean, probably. Yeah, I would say so. Like he, he's, I can't think of anyone who could who would probably be able to jump higher. Maybe like Rashawn. I guess Rashawn's like, pretty when athletic you, when you when you. Factor in size and everything might be a better athlete, but um, Davion's pretty athletic. He's he's kind of surprised me a little
1: bit. He's yeah. he's gone up for a couple dunks this year.
0: He's definitely, I mean, yeah, and he's got some spring, but that's also part of, uh, I you know, short people, just shorter people, I should say. Yeah, shorter, 5'10, <laughs> 5'10 guys who make the league tend yeah, to. Uh, yeah, I dude, I can, I can jump so high. Yeah, yeah, i think 5'9". Like six, He's probably like six foot, 6'1. Six Damn. Um, yeah. yeah, but, you know, the, the shorter guys tend to, you know, if you're going to make the league, like Isaiah Isaiah could dunk. Isaiah uh, can dunk. You know, you, you can usually, that's usually part of. Being small and making the league is like you have the ability to still get to the rim. Isaiah had that play
1: where he had a ch- I was at that game. He had a chase down pin block. I think it might have been on Brandon Roy or somebody, yeah. or somewhere on 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 um on Portland. Maybe it was like on McCollum or something. I don't know. But he had a, a he was up. His head was above the rim. So yeah. Uh, also Isaiah not in the league still over on the, the subject of of King's guards. We've talked about all these King's guards over the years. Isaiah Thomas, a on a team. I don't know if he's going to be, he, yeah, I can see him as a, as a late, maybe like a late season pickup. I think that's kind of, he's going to be his, his like a Marshawn Lynch kind of deal.
0: Such a weird comp. I was going to do a football comp too. He's like Cam Newton where it's like, we know he, he should. <laughs> <That> was... <laughs> I saw a tweet that said, uh, when when your girl's been talking about how uh, <laughs> she's about to let you go and you show up uh, next time you show up with her friends. I'm back! Yeah, uh, dude. When, uh, yeah, where it's like he should probably be in the league. Like, he's definitely better than a lot of the people I see, and he can definitely get a spot. But is he almost, like, too good for the role that you want him to play? That's like, a thing.
1: I think that's the reason why people aren't signing him is because he doesn't want to. And again, why should he, right? If you feel confident in yourself enough, you should want to be able to play your ability and play your hardest. I don't think that teams right now want a guy to come off the bench and try to score 15, 20 points per game. They just want a guy to come in, take smart shots, distribute, play good defense. And I don't think he really could do any of that right now. Mm -hmm. He's never been a defender, but I don't think he can do any of that. But, uh,
0: I mean, yeah, and you look at the two places where he succeeded the most, and it was Sacramento and uh, and Boston. Boston. And when he was succeeding the most, it was because he was being relied upon the most. And, he was the uh, guy. He, he was, was the guy. I mean, the Boston was literally built around Isaiah Thomas getting 30 points. Like, if he didn't do it, 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 they wouldn't have worked. It unraveled um, so quickly. It's kind of crazy how, how quickly yeah. that just fell apart. It just... Yeah, I mean, it was his It was a lot of it. It's when you're that small, and then he busted his hip, and you lose a step, and you're already at a disadvantage because your size, and then people aren't, you know, it's just, just creating more doubt. Um, it's unfortunate, but yeah, I think I'm. I am surprised he's not in the like. He can, if Ish Smith has you know, carved out a what 15 year career, and he's there still, forever. Yeah, and I'm not saying Ish Smith is bad at all. I'm just saying. You know, if if you can find a place for for that guy on your roster, I think you can find a place for for Isaiah, who's got the potential on a night to to win a game for you. Isaiah was you know, in that uh, he was in the Kyrie deal. I, I forget
1: he was in the Kyrie deal and and played that yeah. weird short stint. And that's kind of where it came when apart. He and was, was Wade were on the uh, Cavs? Was he injured going into that yeah. season? Yeah. Because that was when his career changed. It's it's to change forever. Because he averaged thirty points a game, twenty nine points per game in twenty seventeen with the Celtics, and then the Kyrie deal happened. And I'm talking, he was a MVP candidate. He was probably top.
0: I think he finished 10, third in
1: MVP. Top five. Year.
0: He definitely, yeah. no, I think he was. I legitimately think he finished like second or third. <laughs> you averaged 29 points a game, six
1: assists, and then you shoot 38% from three. That was also
0: of the fourth year where I think he averaged like 15 points a game or something stupid yeah. in the fourth quarter.
1: The closer. He was the Mariano Rivera
0: of the NBA that year, mm-hmm. just coming in and closing everything out. But. Um, Oh, my God. That playoff series against Washington where I will never that Marcus Morris. I think it was Mark. The Morris brothers fouled him and he got an and one right at the free throw line um, Uh, with with Washington. Never forget that. Yeah. Against Washington. Just just absolutely put on. And, you know, obviously all the sad stuff about his sister passing and Mm -hmm. then playing that day and then. You know, that being compounded with then the Celtics trading him that next offseason after everything he had just done for them. And it, was, it wasn't was how Isaiah Thomas's career was supposed to end. No. I'm glad he even got the opportunity to have the career he did, because obviously being the 60th pick, like at that point, you're you're probably not ever going to even see the floor. And for him to carve out the career he did. I mean, I'm just glad to say that we saw it happen. We were a part of his career. The, be- the beginning. And he was legitimately good for us. Like we saw, like it's something that as a, you know, th- that never happens for the Kings. That's if that were to happen now for the Kings, could you imagine if the Kings were to just luck in, they, whatever, let's say 60th pick. Yeah. Whatever. Let's just say in the Marvin draft or whatever, they have the second pick and the last pick in the draft. Marvin doesn't pan out, but then the guy who goes, la- I mean, that's pretty much what happened. Jimmer didn't pan out. And it's the dude who they took last, who comes in and plays like, he was the second pick in the draft.
1: Yeah. And he was, he was a top five talent in that draft. I think, I think, you can, I think <laughs> if you go back and look at that draft and I don't have it, I could pull it up in front of me real quick. Just the 2011 draft uh, top Kyrie Irving, Derek Williams, and his Cantor, Tristan Thompson, um, Ky, uh, Kawhi was in that draft, Nikola Vucevic, Tobias Harris, Isaiah is at least in the top 10 in this draft. Uh, that's for
0: sure. Still, so, yeah. like, I mean, yeah. Career wise. Like, yeah.
1: I mean, Cantor's on a top three pick. Derek Williams out. Tristan Thompson out. Valanchunas. I don't think he's top 10. Bayombo. Uh, Jan v- Vesely. Isn't that the oh, top boy. five in that draft? Oh, um, but no, last thing about, Isaiah, it's also said that because he didn't get that big payday, didn't he? Have that quote about back in the Brinks truck up? I think he had that quote, or someone had that quote. Yeah,
0: yeah, he was, uh, yeah, he was, he was right around the max extension Mm -hmm. period, and uh,
1: him and Boogie both
0: did not get it. So
1: Isaiah's made thirty three million over his career. Demarcus Cousins, I can pull it up, but I don't think he has made. I think both of them were in line to get a max.
0: That is so deal. painful to say or to hear that. So Isaiah's career, he made $33 million. Yeah. and then in, That in is DeMar- one year, one season of a max contract.
1: Oh, DeMarcus made $100 million over his career. I'm not going to... He could have made $300 million, though. I mean, yeah. look, money's money. $33 is a lot of money. More money than a lot of us are ever going to see. $100 is probably more money than any of us will for sure ever see. <laughs> or I mean, $33 it's I all the money we're all going see. can that much money. <laughs> but... Uh, when you think about the fact that DeMarcus Cousins could have made 200 more million, Isaiah Thomas could have made 180 to 200 more million. And both of those guys are out of the league right now, both fairly young, Isaiah 32, DeMarcus, I think he just turned 31, 31 a month and a half ago. Um, It's sad because we're Kings fans and you can't help but look back and be a little nostalgic. Sure. The teams were bad, but we, we put our heart into those teams. And I remember being in high school, watching those guys and, it's sad to look and see that those guys uh really, I mean, yeah. their, their careers go out the way that they should not have gone out. Both well, of them should not have gone out this way. If
0: whatever, let's just you draft a player you get lifetime contract or whatever, you have a player. The Kings would have right now in their or probably tail end of their primes, we're just beginning through the primes of Isaiah, DeMarcus, Tyreek and De, and uh we just talked about yeah. Mark Norton. I mean, you know, obviously all of their careers were were Pretty much, you know, not what it seemed like it was going to be in the beginning. But uh, yeah, all those guys are still guys who should be contributors in the league. And every single one of them, all for their own separate set of reasons, is is out of the league now. And it's, it's it, just crazy to see how, you know, like if you would have said after Tyreek's rookie year, like, hey, by the time this guy's 32, like he's going to be on four different teams and out of the league. Like, you know, DeMarcus Cousins, 70%. if the Kings if the Kings gave him that max
1: deal, they'd be paying him, I think, thirty nine, forty million right now. He'd be in the last year of that deal right now. Right now, this moment, he'd be playing for this yeah. team. Yeah, it's
0: crazy. There, there, I mean, yeah, like obviously DeMarcus has had tons of injuries since then. And, you know, he probably doesn't have a couple of those if he stays. With, I mean, I guess you can't even really say that. But um, yeah, I mean, the, the player that he is now is just not it's not who you would have thought it would have been all those years ago. And I think it wouldn't have been, he wouldn't, I don't think he would have been, uh, you know, he's not playing right now. I don't think he would have, obviously if you're getting paid $40 million, you're going to end up playing, but, um, it's, um, it's, it's just crazy. Like the Kings really, they would have, they would have been screwed financially.
1: It's a sad side of injuries. You see injuries happen and people come back and there's great comeback stories. And then you see the guys like, like Boogie and, and, um, Brandon Roy, guys that were so good and injuries just have derailed their career. And then, you know, Derek Rose is another guy where he's come back and been a good player, but he's had to reinvent himself. And he's and you he's, saw how
0: long that took, too. He's, he's, mean,
1: he's, he's, he's damn good. I'd love to have Derek right. Rose, but um, right now even. But he, Boogie, um, yeah, it's sad for those guys, Isaiah and Boogie. But we'll, we'll end with
0: that. I mean also, like, Tip to that cap. point, sorry, but like you made okay. a good point, like, Derek Rose is a former MVP yeah. where he's at now. Like that, that's a guy who today, like he should be like Russell Westbrook, like heading to the backside of his career, but still putting up crazy numbers. Um, and that guy is like, he's been a bench player, legitimate and no disrespect. He's been a bench player for the past four or five, six, years. seven seasons. Yeah,
1: and he could be a six, six man of the year candidate. Yeah. You know, uh, he's up to a very good start this year 13 points a game, three assists, 50% in the field almost, and 44 from three, 93 from the line. D Rose, yeah. my pick in the KHDK uh,
0: predictions for awards. Mm. I mean, off to a great, only 22 minutes know, per my game. Pick too. was, like, I don't want to toot my own horn, but since you brought it up, I mean, Ooh.
1: Tyler Hero. Ooh, I mean, he's probably no. He'll probably saying, new like rookie, I let you know, a six man. Uh, 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 Tyler Hero is is. I want to like, want to dislike him. I, I I don't know. He's damn twenty two points per game, forty from three. My lord, five rebounds a game. Yeah, he's for real. He is. He is. Uh, he is for real. on that.
0: Uh, yeah. <laughs> I want to. I want to quote that Pocahontas clip. <laughs> that's all i'm gonna say that's, i know that's, i that's, I, that's I, I can hear stuff it that got going on in miami is, is some pocahontas level stuff i can hear it in my ears but uh, uh on, that note- on that note yeah let's let's wrap it up this is a good long one um, we'll see everybody sunday yes we will see everyone sunday yes that is exactly what we will record um uh, yeah, I mean, I can't imagine there's any more meat on this bone that we haven't haven't chewed up yet. So, we've gone through uh, gone
1: through it all. Even we've gone through the, it all. We the went 2011, it. 2012. Yeah.
0: Games, so. <laughs> Had a nice little 2011 Kings recap and uh, reunion. And uh, these are the type of stuff you get when you do basketball b-ball roulette, b-ball reference roulette. Yeah. God, yeah. mouthful. Um, for Frankie Carter, future Sacramento Kings head coach Frankie Cardicelli, I and chris watkins thank you so much we will be back on sunday we will be releasing episodes a lot more often um be on the lookout for that again thank you all so much for listening thank you all so much for sticking with us um even though um the upload schedule is trash at the moment but blame, we'll blame Vegas blame Vegas. Yeah, blame Vegas it's not our fault it's Vegas Vegas fault. Vegas Vegas